Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. And I'm sorry about my voice. I got that cold like two weeks ago, and it refuses to leave. So apologies for my stuffy-sounding voice. This is a really interesting interview, and if you are easily offended and being offended bothers you, this might not be the interview for you. Um, Luke has a lot of really interesting ideas. Um, We had quite a fun time debating some of them, but he has some very um, controversial ideas and views, um, which I really wanted to hear more about, and I think they're really fascinating. So you've been warned. It's all out there. Moving forward, uh, Luke has multiple sclerosis MS, and he talks about how his diagnosis journey, it took a long time, which um, I just want to point out, it's not just women who it takes years to get diagnosed. Uh, It's also interesting when you have a disorder that is um, completely body-wide, it affects every single part of the human body. We talked about his life as a teenager and growing up with MS, and what that was like. Um, He also told a way that MS affected his romantic life, which uh, was probably one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Sadly funny, but definitely worth a listen through. Uh, We talk about the medical carousel and what it's like testing out different drugs to see which ones will help, which ones will hurt, which ones will kill you. And wow, sometimes it's the same drug and just goes along like that. Um, He talks about being a lab rat as a lucrative side hustle. Lab rat is his term. I fully endorse it. I think it's fantastic. Talked a lot about um, legal disclaimers. We said everything we need to say, so don't sue us. Um, These are all opinions. I'm going to keep saying that. It's all opinions. Uh, Luke does speak publicly, so I'm going to leave a link for you if you want him to speak publicly at one of your events. We had a very fascinating discussion about the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration. We talked, and I know this is a shock for our usual listeners, we talked a lot about the American healthcare system. And while we did not agree about where we wanted it to go, we both can agree that it is incredibly based in capitalism and is very broken right now. Um, He has some very interesting ideas about different um, organizations and different hospitals and what happens when an organization's entire funding source is um, threatened if the disorder is cured. And I love hearing different viewpoints. Um, I did do a little research after he and I talked. I found some very interesting articles about how much money CEOs of some of these organizations make, and I was shocked. Um, I always find it a really good idea to follow the money. Now, that's me on the outside saying this. So if you run an organization or you are close to people who run these organizations and they want to talk about this, they're upset about hearing this interview and they have something to say, contact me. I would love to talk to you about this because there's a lot I don't know. I just know the numbers. I don't know what goes into things. So I would love to get the other side of the story, but it's definitely worth listening to Luke's side of this. We had a lot of discussion about lobbyists. That was a lot of fun. Um, We talked about uh, some of his favorite books. Um, He is another person who runs his own business and he has chronic illness. He makes a fascinating case for how saying I'm sorry is selfish. I think that's almost worth a listen all the way to the end for because his reasoning is really very interesting and solid and it might save a relationship. My favorite part about this was um, when we were talking about when and where you discuss what you have um, socially or 
in business. And the letter he sent out when he screwed something up because of MS symptoms and taking responsibility for what was going on changed everyone's viewpoint about him and is really definitely something to write down on how to how to apologize, not say I'm sorry, apologize well. And um, it was a pretty solid advice. So everything's linked in the show notes that I could find. If you have separate research that I'm missing, please remember I am sick and I am tired and I did as much research as I'm capable of doing before everyone comes home from school and work. If you find something that I missed or that I screwed up, add it in the comments section or email me directly. I'm happy to take a look at it. Thank you so much. I hope you really enjoy this. Um, if you know someone with MS or someone you would like to listen to what he has to say, please send this. It's a definitely a shareable episode and have a great week. Thank you. So if you can say your name and what you're dealing with, then, then we'll, we'll go on from there. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, my name is Lucas Robach. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in May 2014. Okay, wow, so this isn't very long that you've been diagnosed. Were you having symptoms for a while? Yeah, uh, I can date my symptoms back to 15 years before I got diagnosed, but I I still operate on the basis of, like, my body's like my car, where if you keep driving your car long enough, sooner or later it's going to fix itself, (laughs) and that's what... (laughs) I get myself into trouble doing that. (laughs) Yeah, and so do I. Well, I definitely... (laughs) realize that that wasn't the way to go, but I still do it. I haven't really learned my lesson on that. But, uh, yeah, so there's different things that were happening over the years. And then as long as I just ignored it and kept going, they went away. And soon I later found out that that was like an MS exacerbation. And so, uh, now it's, uh, now at least I know it's MS rather than just completely ignoring it altogether. It's like when the symptoms start crafting, uh, cropping up, some of the ones that I have were so crazy that I almost felt like it was um, when I got the diagnosis and I could just kind of go through all of the symptoms that I had. It was like, oh my god, I'm not crazy. This is actually a thing. Was that like it for, similar for you? Yeah, where a lot of things started making sense as to why I screwed things up just because of like co- the cognitive aspect of things, forgetting things, showing up to meetings that weren't there, showing up, never showing up to meetings that I set, and now. I have different checks and balances in See, place in order to make sure. I call that parenting with the not showing up. I just call that yeah. getting old and having kids. So was it yeah. like huge holes of, um, can you tell how good I'm doing with holes of mental abilities today? <laughs> uh, is, was it more than just what someone could say like, oh, I understand what that's like. I get overwhelmed and forget meetings. Is it different? Yeah, like people do like say like, oh yeah, that happens to them, but they don't have I'm asked, they don't even have a chronic illness or anything other than being, <laughs> yeah, other than life. And yeah, but, uh, so like with MS, everything can be related to something else, which is why it's like a very mysterious disease. It's something to where from my knowledge, my, just my personal knowledge, I could be completely wrong and I really don't care if I am. But, uh, one thing that I know about MS is that, uh, to diagnose it, they have to rule everything else out. And then they're just like, all right, well, I guess let's flip a coin. If it's head, he has MS. If not, then let's keep running tests. So, which, um, I, I was, the doctor thought I had MS for a long time. So I had to go through a whole bunch of really painful tests. Did you have to go through some of the 
like the spinal taps or just the MRIs or did they just do a, a cancellation of everything it wasn't? I did a CAT scan, numerous MRIs. I did the spinal tap, and I actually can't uh, really say that that was a painful experience. It actually really? tickled. Oh I, my God. I really enjoyed it. I had them, I had them <laughs> twice, and each time it was it was a pretty fun experience each time. But that's my personal perception on it, just because it was like you can feel the needle in there, and then when the nurse moved it a little bit, all of a sudden, like my leg would start twitching, or like my left side of my body went numb and like oh well my bad i'll readjust it and it was actually like i thought it was pretty cool we and might so need to more... talk about what you do for fun <laughs> what i do for fun no i was kidding i'm of... sorry no, I... <laughs> <laughs> I i i found it incredibly painful so i'm really i'm, I'm impressed actually and I, my pain tolerance is pretty high i could not handle that mm-hmm. one well, they had like a numbing agent. They gave like you can you can still feel the needles going in and out, but it, I wouldn't call it painful. I think I just had a realization. Eller stainless, we don't get numb easily. So when uh, someone like with it's real fun of the dentist, may I just tell you? But ooh. they'll put the numbing stuff in, and it will either stop partway through or just won't work at all. Mm-hmm. So now I understand why some people are like, "Hey, no big deal." And I was like. Kill me. Yeah. Kill me now. <laughs> well, maybe what would work for you and anybody else that has something like that to where, like, numbing agents don't work is hypnotherapy. Oh. A lot of a dentists now are starting to bring in hypnotherapists before they do procedures. Now, and there's do, a they few do that other so industries. you can, like, cluck like a chicken and they can video it and, like, get YouTube Oh, they want to do it, like... <laughs> Uh, no, uh, it's not the dentist that actually does it. They actually bring in a hypnotherapist from my, from what I was trained on. Because I used to, I have my uh, certification in hypnotherapy, and it's all it is is like pain is a mental thing. Mm-hmm. It's all in the mind. Like all of our pain, every single thing that happens to us starts in the mind. And so through hypnotherapy, it's not even hypnotherapy. It's literally just hypnosis. They put you in a state of trance, and they pretty much turn off your pain recognition. Wow. Okay. But it's, That's it's what you are like, looking like, into. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that might be, like, next time you go uh, have open-heart surgery, maybe find a hypnotherapist. For you know, I, I usually try <laughs> to keep my uh, heart surgeries for Thursdays, so next week yeah. I'll just <laughs> make sure. That's fascinating. I it, Have you been trained in this, or have you used this as a pain I've, technique? I've been trained. I don't really th- – this was years ago when I when I uh, was trained on it, but uh, I never actually did that to anybody. Okay. But you can – like with just like with what the mind is capable of and with hypnosis, you can actually get people to forget the number four. And so then you ask them to count to ten, and they will never say four. And they're like, okay, one, two, three, what comes after three? Five, and so literally you can just erase it it, it comes back but uh it's not like a permanent thing and so like hypnotherapy definitely would help with pain when you go to the dentist or anywhere else next time you get a spinal tap like with all the possibilities of what this could do that's fascinating and i never want my teenager to hear this podcast i I don't want to get ideas of mom you do not know the word no when i ask you if i can go do something that would uh, be the first one you used (laughs) so what were some of the symptoms that you ignored for 15 years that you found out or what were some of the warning signs where you just decided that you couldn't keep going without getting some help um one thing was like um 
bladder issues. So with MS, it's like the brain uh, bladder connection just gets distorted and interrupted and sends signals that shouldn't be sent or stop signals that should be sent. Oh. <laughs> and so like with the bladder, it would be uh, uh, painful to stop where like I could be in the bathroom for 45 minutes to an hour urinating. Uh, other other times, it's I'll go to the bathroom every 10 minutes. Um, and then other symptoms were losing, I can't really say losing my vision. I don't even know, really know how to describe it, but it was extraordinarily blurred vision to where I had to put, if I wanted to read, I had to put the book on my nose, close one eye, and then squint. I even tried putting in my contacts and my glasses to see if that was not a good idea. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I had that. Um, maybe a little some bowel issues, uh, cognitive issues to where later on in the day or whenever I get fatigued, it's just a matter of not being able to structure sentences correctly or not stuff's not registering right in my mind to where you can say X, Y, and Z and I hear 7, 8, 12. And so it just, I hear things that aren't there, uh, which that, when I told my doctor that I went through an extremely fun, well, to me, it was a, a fun test of just to see <laughs> what would happen because like when they, uh, people with MS, uh, when they hear noises that aren't there, that's, uh, like a precursor to having a stroke. And so they wanted to make sure and ran some tests and what it was, what the test was, is that I was hooked up to, a. uh, I can't even think of it right now. I have to use synonyms too. I'm going to say EKG, but I yes. don't know that's for the heart. No, nope. right? is that for there's, the brain? There's an okay. EKG for the brain too, but and also okay. the heart. But there's two. This is one where you look like an alien, where they put the little yeah. electrodes. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing. We're on an audio podcast, and I'm making hand gestures. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I had that uh, EKG strapped to my head, and then uh, they had me relax and just close my eyes and. And then after a few minutes, a strobe light went on, and they just wanted to see how I would react to a strobe light. And then it just the strobe light kept getting more intense at random increments, and it was just really cool to uh, see like the brain wavelengths and stuff. So I was asking a lot about that. I'm really into like the mind and psychology and stuff, and that's why I thought it was just extremely fun. But so part of the going back to the symptoms is that um, <laughs> Brain farts is a symptom. Oh, we're going to do great. This is going to be a fun one <laughs> between the two of us. I'm like relocating my shoulder and we're, we'll get through a full conversation, I promise. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so I utilize a, a thesaurus a lot. I That's bookmarked. That's one of like my number one bookmarks that I use on my computer just because every once in a while I'll just look up words in different ways to say them. Because when I'm in a sentence and I can't think of that word, <laughs> I'll at least be able to pull out one of the synonyms. I love so that, that I can good, keep it going. Yeah, so I'm, I'm that big of a nerd where I'll study at the source. <laughs> so I can care less. What you the haven't even hit is. nerd yet. Not even close. <laughs> uh uh-uh. One thing I'm really curious about, and if you do not want to talk about it, just tell me to back off. But you're talking about some very big issues between having to run to the bathroom, not necessarily knowing when you're going to need to use the bathroom. And if I'm doing my math right, you were pretty young when that was going on. How did yeah. that affect school and social life? It didn't. Like, I just ignored it because I just figured everybody was going through it. Teachers didn't notice that you were gone for 45 minutes or that you were running to the bathroom? Or did you just have way cooler teachers than I had who just didn't care? Or 
Well, I can't really call them cool teachers. They just <laughs> okay, not they cared, cool, they but cared just more care. about their summers off than they cared about their students. I think. Okay, we went but. to very different schools then. Awesome. No, that's yeah. I, I'm always interested though because I think a lot of teachers just think that any bad behavior or quote unquote bad behavior is just teenagers being teenagers. And yeah. I don't think that they can, I, I would love for people to start thinking a little bit more that just because someone's 16, that they might be going through a whole lot and there might be a reason they're running to the bathroom, not necessarily mm-hmm. to get out of class, which yes, definitely sometimes, but so there could be oh, yeah. I definitely. <laughs> I can't really, like, from my knowledge, I do remember going to the bathroom a lot just, to, well, quote unquote, going to the bathroom a lot just to get out of class, but I don't ever actually have a... At this moment in time, I can't recall that I actually would go to the bathroom multiple times just because I actually had to. Okay. I would go to the bathroom just to walk around the halls and get out of class. (laughs) All right. So you were the one who is like totally blowing my theory here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, like in um, college, it destroyed a relationship uh, where my symptoms pretty much created a a breakup there. Yeah. Just because the the going back to the bladder issues, not being able to finish going to the bathroom. I went to the doctor for that because I just got started getting really irritated. And she's like, oh, you have chlamydia. Oh, <laughs> I can yeah. see why that's a, a relationship ender. Yeah. So, yeah. so misdiagnosed I, with an STD. I blamed her <laughs> and she blamed me and yeah, so it was. Oh, okay. I had a whole different idea of how that relationship would have ended, but now, that's a way no. more fun one. <laughs> Oh, it definitely is, and she still. Does. I don't even think she knows I have MS. So. Oh no! And plus, even if she did, it's just like you wouldn't have a clue that that's a symptom anyway. <laughs> I, I, in college, the person I was supposed to marry ended up leaving me because I was sick, and it wasn't a uh, misdiagnosed STD. It was just I don't want to deal with this at twenty. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad to hear that it wasn't that. That was just <laughs> no, a completely no, traumatic the whole other way. <laughs> yeah. That's the, I guess that's the other way to break up with somebody. Totally new way. That's, <laughs> you have helped out so many people thinking, how do I get out of this relationship? Now they know. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's actually a pretty good one. Cause I've always thought like in some relationships, like, how do I get out of this one? <laughs> you have an out now. <laughs> yeah. It's like maybe I have to come up with like a whole nother illness that'll scare the crap out of them or something. <laughs> I, I hear Ebola is still free. So you can try yeah. that. Yeah. I could give that one a go. <laughs> so when you were in college, did you know you were sick? I mean, what, no. So did you choose? So you weren't choosing majors or anything thinking that you would have to choose something more gentle on your body. Did that? Yeah, I, I went to school to be an airline pilot. Cool. And then when I graduated, that was in 2008. And so uh, in 2008, that's when we had that re- <clears throat> The Great Recession, quote unquote, Great Recession. (laughs) But yet, if you actually look at the definition of a recession, we were never in a recession. But anyways, (laughs) so the airlines get hit the hardest Mm -hmm. and the first before any economic downturn. So if you're ever like like you're an investor or anything that want like in the stock market, look at what the airlines are doing first, and then that pretty much will tell you what the economy, what's going to happen to the economy. Because I I don't know how they know, but they know. but anyway, so the airlines, they were laying tons of people off. I couldn't get a job. And so I started a nonprofit that helped working families pay their children's medical bills and insurance deductibles that they couldn't afford. And then I started going off and just trying different jobs. And so I graduated college in 2008. I got diagnosed in 2014. Wow. Okay. Now, first off, do you still have that nonprofit? 
does it still exist? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. I was going to say, we definitely would want to link to that. That's amazing that you did that, though. Yeah, it was, uh, we helped a lot of families. It was just way too much work for zero return. I hear you, but, um, oh, just, uh, we have an international audience, so we are both in the United States, different sides of the United States, but this still falls under United States um, healthcare, so the reason that you would need a nonprofit to help parents pay medical bills is because in this country, a lot of people go bankrupt paying medical bills. So just for yeah. all of our, our um, listeners in countries where people don't go bankrupt paying medical bills, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, our healthcare system is... Mercenary. Yeah, I, I would just, just call it effed up. I'll, I'll go with fucked, <laughs> fucked up. We swear on this podcast. Oh, okay. Feel oh, yeah, free. Fuck this, shit ass. <laughs> my feeling is, is if I have to just locate every day, I get to swear. There was a scientific study that proved that swearing does decrease pain, so that's my excuse. Oh. <laughs> But, um, yes, I would call it very capitalistic and mercenary of a healthcare system. And if you're talking about your child being sick, you are going to pay whatever it takes, even if people sold houses to mm-hmm. afford Medicaid. So that was amazing you yeah. did that. Now, um, what are you doing now for, for your life? Are you still in the middle of finding the right medication? Are you going through trials and testings? Uh, I don't know if I'm on the right medication, but I am on medication. <laughs> God, it's so like the chronic illness like world of being on this spinning which medication's working right now, which one has stopped working, and yeah. my favorite are which ones are the ones that are going to kill me if I keep taking them. Yeah. You like <laughs> <laughs> It should have made the odds ever be in your favor on the side. So I'm on a medication to where one of the symptoms or side effects uh-huh. is herpes. Woohoo! See you and STDs. This is becoming a theme. Yeah. Yeah. Without having the fun. Yeah, it's like I like I got treated for chlamydia even though it wasn't. <laughs> and now I'm taking a medication for something that created the mis- mystical chlamydia and this medication could give me herpes. <laughs> it's just like what kind of a scandalous doctor do you have to go to with herpes? <laughs> Um, or a really fun doctor. I mean, it really depends, uh, right? Yeah, touche. <laughs> Definitely, it's not covered under HIPAA, I'm sure. Almost. Oh, hopefully insurance covers that, though. Uh, one would hope. <laughs> Please. Myofascial release. I have never. Oh, God, that's hilarious. Uh, well, you know, the old doctors turned of the century, thanks to um, Sears's invention, had a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, way too history, history nerdy. Uh, so you have a disorder that actually has clinical trials. Do you pay attention to those all the time? What is it like um, for someone who has dollar stainless with zero funding or any studies going on? What is it like to hear that there's all these things on a horizon? Is it good, bad? Hope is a weird thing for me, so I don't know what it's like for people who actually get to feel it. I absolutely can care less about okay. everything that they do. Like, I am a lab rat at two universities here in Milwaukee. So whenever they need a lab rat, they give me a call, and then I'll, uh, if I can, I'll go, I'll go be tested on and do whatever they tell me to do. But, uh, yeah, like all okay. the clinical first, trials. What does a lab rat mean? Like, I'm guessing you're not in a cage. Oh, There's oh, yeah, very yeah, little I cheese. Was, uh, yeah, so I say I'm a lab rat. Uh, I actually... I was told that that's very offensive by somebody who's not a lab rat. 
And so I'm just no. like, okay, well, I'm going to laugh. Do they get to say that? Like, if you're yeah. that bad, do yeah. you get to say you're offended? Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have any right to say that you're offended by me calling myself a lab rat. Or go ahead and but, be offended that no one cares. Yeah. This is like, yeah, yeah go, go stand over there and put your nose against the wall and be offended. I'm going to go over here and yeah. be a lab rat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so a lab rat uh, is a research participant. So you're going there and you're, I was going to call yourself, you're going there to be a lab rat. You're going <laughs> there to be tested on. Okay. So uh, one, one research study was to prove that uh, physical activity benefits people with MS. That's obviously like, I would just call that full-blown common sense, but they have to put a few million dollars into being able to say that. And so they... Uh, called me up to be a, a lab rat in a ballroom dance study. And so I got to learn how to tango, how to foxtrot, swing, waltz, salsa, and met some pretty cool people along the way. Nobody, none of them had MS. It was just the instructors. They were pretty attractive. And <laughs> you know, There's nothing you said yet that I was able to predict. I mean, I'm going to be a lab rat thinking you like, okay, needles, drugs. No, I was doing swing and ballroom. Oh, of course yeah. that's what you were doing. What else would you have been doing as a lab rat for an MS study? That's yeah, the most so was, fun lab study I've ever heard. I know. And that was, uh, I did that one twice <laughs> because they needed an extra person. And so I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll do it again. It's just like, is this uh, the same instructors doing it? Wow. Um, and then also, like, there's some really boring ones, too, to where it's just like squeeze this pipe, release the pipe and stuff like that. And then uh, I was actually, last week I went to go uh, to Marquette University, and they were, I don't even know what they were even doing there, but it gave me so much vertigo and... Uh, I was almost, I was pretty much going to puke, so I didn't finish the study, but I still got paid. But so, but I felt bad just because if I'm, I like the reason why I want to be in research studies is because I thoroughly enjoy reading research studies, even though granted, uh, I like more psychology research, but if I can be a participant, which my MS allows me to, then I'm, I participate in MS research studies, even though I can literally care less about what the results are. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> so I'll start with um, why don't you care? <laughs> All right, so this is. Uh, and I, I am leading, by the way. I will, full disclosure, I've talked to him before, and he, he led with a very interesting viewpoint on this, and I really yeah, so want to go all the way through first. this. Yes. So here's my legal disclaimer. And I use, I use <laughs> Thank this you, a lot. I need those. <laughs> yeah, th this is my legal disclaimer when I talk about certain things, especially when it relates to the health field. So. I'm a joke. I'm a quack. I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. I'm not somebody that you should listen to. Don't don't ever do anything that I say. Don't believe me. Don't trust me. I'm a liar. I make things up. Uh, live your life according to what you believe is right. You're 100% responsible for your own thoughts, choices, actions, decisions, and the results that you produce, not because you did what I told you to do. I so feel that's like you own a podcast it. that you know to say all of those things to make sure you don't get sued. By the way, well, don't I, I've had a, like, I'm also a speaker, too, and so I say that when I'm speaking just before I'm about to say something about the health care. So after that's just said, when, yes, I'm, when I'm speaking, when I'm on stage. Yes, covered our asses, yes. Yeah, so when I'm on stage, like, I, I'll say that as like uh, a way to introduce the my, my uh, saying that I came up with is, if it's FDA approved, do not consume. Okay, do, do tell why, in your um, totally unofficial opinion, you should not consume anything the FDA has said yes to. 
Okay, my in my unofficial hypothetical, unofficial hypothetical. Please, for the love of God, don't sue us. Certainly, don't yeah. sue me. I well, don't it have is any based money. on facts, though. Too. <laughs> that's the that's the worst part about like my opinion is that yes. it's completely based on facts. Uh, if the FDA the FDA first has a uh, approved. Oh, I'm sorry, international aspartame. audience. Please explain just in like. A oh, sense. FDA is the federal Federal Drug Administration for the United States of America. Huh, they're the yeah. ones that they're the ones that told us. That we shouldn't be buying prescription pills from Canada because they could be bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're yeah. the exact same drugs, they were just a thousand percent cheaper to buy them from Canada. And so, like, you could literally buy an entire jar of pills, whatever whatever medication is that you want from Canada, and it's still less than the copay that you're paying your insurance company. And that's why they the FDA the FDA is a full blown freaking joke. Uh, so the FDA also approves aspartame. If you look up aspartame, that's in Diet Coke. Anything that's sweet that has artificial uh, sugar sweetener in it, aspartame is is horrible for your brain as well as your body. And just by, uh, I'm just going to stick with Diet Coke. Just by drinking Diet Coke, you can produce symptoms just like as if you had MS. So if you think that you might have MS, maybe you should just stop eating FDA-approved food, and then you'll be healthy again. And also the same thing with organic. Organic is not organic here in America. Organic means that they just put just a little bit less chemicals in it that are, and and then also grass-fed uh, to be able to have that grass-fed stamp of beef or chicken, whatever the hell it is, uh, to have that uh, to be able to be put on the label that it's grass-fed is that the last meal before you slaughter the animal has to be grass. Ah, Otherwise, they, they could be, yeah, they could be eating garbage their entire life for so, ten years, and then oh, go go eat some grass. Oh, you took a bite of grass. All right, let's kill it. Now it's grass fed. So that that's the FDA. Also, kind of going back to, I can't remember what your question was before we got off on this tangent. Oh, uh, question was: Is the drugs that you're taking? Although I'm seriously feeling like at least I'm not a cow that's going to die after eating grass. I'd at least want a hot fudge sundae first. Uh, for your for your drugs, what are the stuff? Because I, the things I'm on are just the regular things. Like you guys get stuff that the FDA is still testing. Is how do they handle yeah. the side effects? Like I was just in one little like lab rat study for uh, chronic pain, and the drugs they gave me caused suicides. So yeah. <laughs> apparently I'm still here. It's all good people, but it was mm-hmm. three years to get back to, and I am, <laughs> I am what my son calls a relentless optimist. And I was clinically depressed for two years after I took that yeah. one month. So that was my little brush with lab raptum. What mm-hmm. is it like for you? Because you're getting some serious stuff that is not thoroughly tested. If you're going through clinical drug trials, which I don't know if you are or not, but I don't know if I am either. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't think I am, but <laughs> I could. I don't know. Um, but it's uh, just a lot of freaking paperwork that I don't read. <laughs> Seriously. That's the biggest lie any of us ever tell is that little, did you read this? Yes, yes, I read it. Yeah, leave me yeah I, I read it. I was sure, like, I don't care. Because yeah. like, I don't want to like... I don't want to learn the symptoms and the side effects and all the different things because that creates hypochondriacs. And I didn't want to do that to myself, except for the herpes. It's just like, I just thought that was, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I can't remember how I learned about that one, but I thought that was just way too funny to where it's like, I had to take, I had to take the medication because of that. 
It's like a side effect of herpes. Prove it. <laughs> okay, you're far too entertaining. Um, but also, oh yeah, that one question, I can't remember what you said about, it had to deal with like the FDA or something, but it was kind of like, uh, the reason why I said like, don't listen to me, don't talk to me, whatever, everything like that. But when it comes to, uh, like all the different research and, oh yeah, you were talking, asking me about, uh, like the research and why I can care less about just research in general when it deals with any type of an illness. If it's an illness that a pharmaceutical is able to prescribe a pill for, never, I can care less about all that research for, I don't know how many reasons. We'll figure them out as I talk. But, <laughs> all right, but, folks, uh, count them down. Let's uh, uh, count together. Number one. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, good. That's my street <laughs> reference. Thank you. Yep. The count. Haven't heard that one in a while. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> one. Ha, ha, ha. So the first reason is uh, what year did we land on the moon? 1960. The late 60s, 68? Yep, 19, 1968 or 1969. Uh, yes. I think it was 68. I watched it, it in 69. Figures. So who cares? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just call it 1969 or 68, whatever. But then when was, uh, what was the last known cure that was released? Polio. Polio. And what year was that? Uh, after the 20s, <laughs> right? Polio came out, like, I think it was like, don't, I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm just ballparking. It was anywhere between 1953 to 1955. All right, people, write us in. If you actually have an answer, we'll, we'll post yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If uh, go, go to the show notes and just be like, Lucas, you're an idiot. It was 1956. <laughs> All right, I will actually put that in quotations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll, just, we'll just say like, I'll just create solid years. So I'm not throwing a bunch of numbers out. So 1955 polio, the last known cure that was released. Yep. 14 years later, we put a man on the moon. And then how, then how many years has it been since 1969? Ha, 30, 40 something. Let's just say 50. I think next year might be 50. So 50 years since we put a man on the moon. And I'm using my iPhone right now to have this conversation. <laughs> this iPhone, which is in the pocket of hundreds of millions of people around the world, uh -huh. has more computing power than within this little tiny device. This little tiny device has more computing power than the rocket ship that put the men on the moon. So, and so you're telling me between 1955 and 2018, we haven't figured out another cure? It's the FDA. They're not releasing cures because they're getting bribed by pharmaceutical companies and probably nonprofits. Because just think about it, the, the National MS Society, NMSS, they pull in a, I looked it up because you're like with uh, nonprofits, you're able to look up their finances yeah. and know where every penny goes. The National MS Society pulls in almost a billion dollars a year. It's a lot of money. Now so here's the question. Yeah. How much does the CEO make? A couple hundred thousand. That's a good. I, that's always my biggest question: is how much money and what are the perks of the person running the organization? Oh yeah, it's it's fully fucked up. So, uh, so the National MS Society pulls in a billion dollars a year. Let's just and then I didn't. I can't remember off the top of my head of how many people are employed by the National MS Society. And then there's one over in the UK, and it's all over the world. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that there's two hundred thousand people working worldwide for the National MS Society. 
then let's just say that there's 100,000 medical professionals, whether they're doctors, nurses, RNs, whatever it might be, 100,000 of them that focus solely on people with MS worldwide. So that's 300,000 people. So you're telling me that a nonprofit that's pulling in a billion dollars a year, a pharmaceutical company that's pulling in 20, 30 billion dollars a year, hospitals that are pulling in billions of dollars a year, and then uh, FDA officials who are pocketing bribes, actually, I well, forgive me, bribery is illegal. They're having lobbyists pay them <laughs> to vote certain ways so that they're getting paid putting millions of dollars uh, in their pockets to be able to vote a certain way. And then all of a sudden, we're going to release a cure. So 300,000 people, hypothetical, 300,000 people instantly lose their jobs. All the nonprofits that uh, revolve around MS, they instantly evaporate. The pharmaceutical companies now, all those prescription pills are instantly gone. They lose, I'm just saying, I think I think I said $40 billion a year. The hospitals lose billions of dollars a year. The FDA officials, individuals, not corporations, individuals lose millions of dollars a year. And then all of a sudden now we have to deal, uh, now we have a, uh, a global population, an overpopulation problem. So the FDA will never, ever allow a cure to be released because it's they get paid way too much to vote against releasing cures. So again, anyone who is not here in the United oh, States, yeah. we I'm a are, joke. I'm a quack. No, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to covering our asses in a second. I just want people to understand that um, who don't live here that we have things called lobbyists, and that lobbyists are basically legalized bribing. It is legally allowed for a lobbyist to. Extort, Go and, and uh, yeah, there's there's a lot they could do that's really interesting as long as it's not called bribery. But the official idea is that they go in and try to make sure that the group of people they are representing get heard by the politicians, and they can do that in vastly psychotic ways. So look it up if you're curious. Now here's where we'll cover our ass. Everything that was just said <laughs> is an opinion, and what we can prove is how much money these nonprofits bring in, and we can discuss this as a very cool hypothetical situation and think about whether this is true or not on your own, but if as, if there is billions of dollars to be made and to be kept, what is the um, incentive for finding a cure if you are able to make so much money in managing symptoms and research? That is our hypothetical question for you all to yeah. go forward and think for yourself and do your research on how much money each of these institutions are making, especially quote-unquote nonprofits and actual nonprofits. It's always good just to take a look, see what the CEOs are earning and getting in inside lines so yeah. that's a very fascinating point when we first talked about it it really blew my mind i didn't even consider or think about that but if you mm-hmm. just go with logic if you're making billions of dollars doing this and a cure is only going to be a quick short-term fix you know it's it, it is going to be although the way that uh, a lot of our drug companies are marking up things that keep us alive it's it's oh yeah! More if I if I own a pharmaceutical company, hell yeah, I would definitely. My prices would be insanely high. See, you scared yeah. me. No, no, hell no! Yeah. Don't be I know, that little I know weasel who went to jail. You need, them. you need them, and the insurance company will pay for them. And then no, uh, I, at least like years ago, everybody had to pay for insurance here in America, where it was a law. So thankfully that's gone now, but oh, uh, we have yeah, very different viewpoints yeah. on that. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just a capitalistic point of view. It's just like if I because the entire purpose of business is to have returning customers. 
And how can you ever return your customer if you cure them? Frightening is the idea yeah. that that our health and our lives are a business. That's terrifying yeah. to me. But yeah, if you think about the government too, the government has a death tax because you're no longer able to pay taxes anymore. So they're going to hit your family one last time for you to pay for you to put you in the ground. It's just like, are you serious? <laughs> All right, so we're going to get back to health stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like, cause I'm just getting, I'm just getting really just, I can keep going. It's just really No, we can have a total political discussion another <laughs> yeah. Like, time. I, like, yeah, this really gets me aggravated and I can just keep going. But yeah, let's I, go I back to- I have zero doubt that you could keep talking about this. <laughs> yeah. None. Let's go back to MS. But I do want to find out a little bit about your life you've managed to create a life for yourself where you're not set to a time clock all the time except your own time clock which i understand as your own boss you are the meanest boss you've ever had i i ran a business for 10 years i have never met a bigger bitch of a boss than i was to myself (laughs) ever um but oh what are your good days like what are your bad days like and how is the ratio well my good days are showing up to meetings. <laughs> Hi, I'm alive. We've hit the this bar. Like, oh my God. It's like I'm sitting here at Starbucks and you're, you showed up too. That's, that's a good day because sometimes I'll actually like show up to a Starbucks or Collectivo Altera, whatever coffee shop cafes in the area that we had the meeting at. And I show up on the wrong day Oh, just because fun. I put it in my calendar wrong <laughs> or I'll show up at the wrong time or I just don't show up period. And so if I show up to a meeting and the other person shows up, it's a good day. I like where the it's bar is set day. for you. That's that's yeah. a good comfortable bar to set. Yeah. So, uh, what are a bad day? Like, what are your are your symptoms? Things where you still are functional, or are you like my bad, bad days are like my fatigue. Okay. My fatigue gets me. So just being exhausted. Like right now, I'm pretty tired, and I still have a meeting to go to after this. So I don't know how that one's going to work out. Oh, now I feel like an like evil the, bitch like, for making you do yeah. this. <laughs> I know, yeah. My boss is such a dick. I freaking hate the guy. And he barely pays me anything. He keeps all the money in the business. He tells me, oh, I'm not going to pay employees. Like, you're an unpaid intern. It's like, dick. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. I uh, <laughs> Like, the fatigue and then, uh, like, on bad days, it's not being able to uh, string sentences together correctly. To where, like, literally, it doesn't make sense to me or to anybody what I just said, or that it nothing registers or it just doesn't register correctly. To where, like, I'm not sure if uh, you or anybody else is like, you watch a movie and then somebody, like, and then this never happened to me where somebody hits pause and then starts grilling you on what the movie's about. But I started noticing myself to where I'll actually, like, think to myself, it's like, okay, what's the main character's name? I have no idea. Uh, what's the plot about? I have no idea. How many, how many like main characters are there? Not a clue. And so like, cause I can watch something, I could read something and I would not be able to tell you one thing about it other than I was bored because I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> and so like, that's a, a bad day is, uh, just not being able to like, not being able to read either. Like I can visually see it, but I just, I don't know the words that I'm reading. Uh, not being able to write same thing too. Is like, I'll be thinking one thing and then all of a sudden I'll look at what I just wrote and it's not what I was thinking. And so it's that really, that really interests me. 
personally, just because if you're thinking one thing, like if you sat down and you started consciously thinking one thing and try writing something else, that's extraordinarily difficult to do. And yet I did it. I do it every now and then without having a clue that I'm doing it. So how long does this last? Like, do you, are they bad days, bad hours, bad weeks? It could last a couple hours. It could last a day. It really all depends on like my diet, my exercise, what I've did and didn't do that day. Uh, so there are also some days where I don't even actually have the day because I'll have a, all of a sudden it's like I'm doing something. It's like, oh, surprise nap. 18 hours later, I wake up and it's the next day. So how do you deal with that with having meetings and having to be places and, and be productive? <clears throat> I'm getting better at apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> I am a master at that. Yeah. It's like I... Because to me, I hate excuses. I hate reasons. Those two things really drive me insane when somebody gives me an excuse or a reason. I'd rather just apologize. And I don't even say I'm sorry. That's another word that I will never, ever say. And that's another word that I never accept from any individual. Please tell me you are not married because I'm sorry is like 90% of my husband's and my vocabulary to each other. (laughs) think, Think about the word I'm sorry. Okay. That's an extraordinarily selfish word to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're just reprogram just me you. on everything. Yeah. All right. Monica, I just wronged you. I just I just jumped across the Skype screen and bitch slapped you across the face. Oh I I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Plus like I, I'm sorry like the word sorry where it's so overdone here in America, it's absolutely insane to where you can't go an entire day without hearing it twenty or thirty times and the person's definitely not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that, like for a fact, it's just, I, I'm sorry, it just comes right out of people's mouth. I don't accept it. It's one, because uh, there was uh, one time where I called up customer service to some corporation and the customer service rep kept saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, and I got, I got pissed. It's like, I, cause I'm like, I'm like, you're not sorry. And I'm not, and, and she was like, oh, well, I'm sorry about that. I'm like, stop being sorry. Just be right. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, so your... like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So instead of saying sorry, say please forgive me, because now you're putting it on the individual oh. that you just wronged, and then giving them the decision to forgive you or not. Because no matter what they choose, it doesn't matter anyway to you. You know what? Because I if like they don't forgive you. you, you make every like you take things that I've always just like taken as oh that's just how this is, and you make me rethink how to do it differently. I appreciate that. I like that. Oh, I, you're you're welcome. <laughs> so. What I, one thing I'm interested in is um, because I have a friend who is very sick, but she cannot be public about it because she would lose her job and um, she has to be completely secret about everything. Uh, do you, are you open about being sick? Do you when do you yeah. decide to disclose it personally, professionally? I'm extremely open about it. When okay. I got diagnosed, I did a a video and put it on Facebook. And, <laughs> okay, and that's I raised, very open. I, it, that video raised $5,000 within 48 hours. Wow. Yeah, I didn't expect that at all. That's amazing. But, yeah, so I'm very open about it. Everybody that I know, well, at least I think that everybody that I know, except for my ex-girlfriend that we broke up <laughs> because I had the quote-unquote chlamydia. The fake STD, but, yes. Yeah, yeah my, my, my uh, oh, I like that, the fake STD. She's like, I got fake STDs. <laughs> <laughs> I would open like, with that on a date. My, That's a good one to yeah, open I was just with. about to say that my next first day is just like, you know, like I, gotta, I have to be completely transparent. I was diagnosed with a fake STD. <laughs> well, or if the date's going really badly, you can really just start that one out. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I actually do that every once in a while. I'll ask somebody out and I'll just be like, I, I promise you that this is going to be the worst date you've ever been at. <laughs> and how, and what's, what's the success rate for that line? I mean, I haven't dated for uh, 13 years. So I don't know it's what the pretty lines good, are like, Because I think it's hilarious. They never, nobody's ever been told that you're going to guarantee them the <laughs> worst date that they've ever had. And they're like, uh, so, some people are just like, well, you got, that's actually a pretty high bar. It's just like, yeah. I'll, challenge I'll, accepted. I'll get you to rethink. Yeah, I was going to say, challenge accepted. I'm going to get you to rethink that terrible date, and I'm going to be the victor on that one. Wow, okay. <laughs> and it's not even, like, it's not bad. It's just, like, it's still, like, a fun date, and then all of a sudden I'll do something that I've heard. Uh, I have three sisters, and then I have a lot of friends that are women, too, that just tell me just horrible stories. And so it's, I'll just pull something out and just do something randomly and just like, yeah, that's there you like, go. <laughs> there you go. So you're, you're picking up the tab. Make sure that you open up the door and close it for me too on your way, on your way. <laughs> Make sure that you pick me up on time. <laughs> so, so instead of me being the man, I'm going to force you to do everything that you expect the men to do. That's one thing that I do. But, I don't see that as a problem or a bad date. I've had far yeah. worse ones than that. <laughs> well, like, the, yeah, there are some. So when do you choose um, to tell someone, like, in a relationship that you, that's been, like, one of the big things on the message board. I've been noticing a lot of the younger people, the, or not necessarily younger, but the single people who are, I'm trying to time these long intros into your drinking water, by the way. Um <laughs> Just helping out. Um, Thank you. But there's like a lot of the younger girls who are like really freaked out on when to talk about. I have this clinical, chronic, and progressive disease. They're like, I tell on the third date, they're gone. I tell on the first date, they're gone. Like, when do you choose to like be open about that? I don't know. I just assume everybody knows I have MS. So you never like <laughs> when you're on a date, like you don't ever just go, "Hey, this is something I'm dealing with," or no, well. If a symptom starts coming up, yeah, and like I can, like I actually can, like it's a physical sensation when I'm like it's hard for me to talk. I literally feel it physically in my chest and in my throat and like the back of my head. I'm not sure if other people have experienced that too that have MS, but so once I actually feel that and I can like see their facial expressions, like this guy's an idiot. That's when I'll pretty much say, hey, you know what? Uh, like I'm coming to the, like the end of my day, I'm getting pretty tired. I have MS and this is one of the symptoms is that this, and they're like, Oh yeah, it's not a problem. And now I can just fuck up the entire conversation. They don't care. <laughs> I, I would know, lead I with MS. that then. I'd be like, yeah. no, this is explaining everything I'm going to do wrong from here on out. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, with social media too, if you go to any of my social media profiles right on it, it says I have MS. Okay. So, uh, so if they don't go there and check, well, also too, I don't really talk, say my last name often ah. on dates either. It's just like, here's my first name <laughs> and then we'll go from there. But it's just, um, I guess just be as open as possible as, as you possibly can. Like I know that you mentioned that one woman who's, uh, has got to keep it a little secret, but just be transparent, be upfront, be open about it. And then, cause then also know that they're going to start asking you about it. As well. I'm like, well, what, what, is, what is that? I deflect it all the time. It's just like make a joke about it and then go back to the conversation. Just Because like, if the person likes you, you'll have a second, third date, and then they can get to know what the hell it is that you actually have. And then that's when I always say, I have absolutely no idea. Go do some research and let me know what MS is. 
<laughs> it's like, I know how to successfully live with it. I can care less what the disease is. So what about professionally? Do you ever have any pushback with working with clients? Not yet. That's I actually, because uh, I'm an organizer of a health and wellness fair here in Milwaukee. And I also um, help entrepreneurs publish books to use as a marketing tool to help them build their business. And then when people are just like, oh, it's like when they, um, well, I don't even know where I was going with that, but chapter two (laughs) in my upcoming book, there's a book that I'm writing called The One Minute Entrepreneur. And chapter two is all about the spoon theory by Christine, I can't pronounce her last name. I'll link it, but the spoon theory is a big thing. I have mixed feelings about it. Theory within my book to say like, yeah, it's like when you have a chronic illness, energy is the most important thing in the world to you. It's not, you're not going to measure tasks in terms of time, like man minutes, like in a corporation, they're going to want to know how many man minutes it takes to do certain things. Whereas I can care less how long it's going to take. I care all about how much energy it's going to take. And so by utilizing a book, you're able to accomplish a whole lot more with a lot less energy and in a lot less time. And then same thing with the wellness fairs. Every, everybody knows that I have MS there just because I, I, I screwed something up once, and so I had to send an apology email to like twelve hundred email, twelve hundred <laughs> people, and I'm just like, uh, please forgive me. Like I know that I completely screwed this up. It's hundred percent my fault. I have MS, and I should have known that when I have a symptom like this, that I shouldn't be doing anything, mm-hmm. any like work in terms of putting it out, making it public. And so, please forgive me on that one. And yeah, and I had unbelievable. Uh, feedback on that in return and pretty much that was one of the best moves I ever did in my business was to send that email out to apologize to everybody about something that I just completely screwed up. You know, the I screwed up is such an undervalued phrase out here. People taking responsibility for messing up and how they're going to fix it. Like, that's what I've always told my kids is like, if you fuck Mm. up, you will fuck up again. It will never be the last fuck up, I promise you. But own it. Tell them, tell the person what you did, why you're sorry, and what you're going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. I'm like, this will get you through school, relationships, everything. This is exactly. my best advice. <laughs> okay, so and I won't keep going That was actually on one thing that people even said, too. They're just like, nobody's ever taken responsibility for for something like that. It's like, it's like well, then they should be fired. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> or parented better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, wow, who are your parents? I, I don't want to meet them. <laughs> oh, I'm sure my par- my kids have plenty to say about how I've messed everything up. I'm sure there's like, yeah, that's, that's they a probably have shot. like notes on like what to tell future therapists. I, I'm pretty sure there's, there's, my son probably has like an entire library of it. Um, do you have a lot of support going with family and friends? Do you have people who can help you out on bad days? Yes and no. Uh, I don't like accepting help, but I do have people that if I do call on them, if they're available, they will come and help. But I, I just because I don't want to probably the same thing that happens with everybody that's listening to this podcast. I don't want to be a burden on other people. This is my problem mm. and I'm going to deal with it. And also I'm I accept full responsibility for my life, my choices, my actions. And so because of that, I also believe that at some point in time, my choices, my thoughts, and my actions created MS. No matter what the research, the fucked up mythological research that they come up with saying, like, this is how you get MS, 
no matter who it is, what you have, no matter who you are, what you have, or anything like that, take responsibility for being diagnosed with that and then take responsibility for the symptoms that you produce as well. Cause I think this was a conversation that we had the first time that we connected is, you know, when you're like, you know, some of the activities that are going to dislocate your joints and all that cool stuff that happens. Oh, you right? mean and, like pointing and, at something? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, my, so. my dislocations happen from pointing, standing, uh, turning mm-hmm. around to look at something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like just knowing, like for me, for you, like, you know, like the triggers, it's like Living. what's going to trigger something to happen. <laughs> Moving, and then, <laughs> breathing. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I actually thought of after we got off the phone at one time is that, have you ever, uh, used like braces? So uh, like what they use on people like that after they just got rid of a cast. Yes. And I'll say this the really quickly because I can't believe we're actually almost at an hour, but I will say it really quickly because that's what everyone always asks me. And I want to like nip this in the bud. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Braces are very interesting. Um, I even had some that were made for me, like measured right to me. And mm-hmm. it was just bone onto metal and plastic mm-hmm. every time. But also the issue that we have for Eller Stainless is our ligaments don't hold our joints together. <laughs> our mm-hmm. muscles are our last stop. So if we brace, our muscles don't engage and we lose muscle strength, which is the only thing that is helping hold that joint in place uh-huh. at all. <laughs> so it is so it's like a such, Oh, it's so fucked up. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, I... We have one last question for you, and I'm so sorry because I I could talk to you all day. This is way too fun. Um, but it's I think you'd probably be the best person to ask this question for is what is your <laughs> I like that expression. <laughs> <laughs> Same expression as I'm like, hey kids, we're gonna do something. So fun take today. a screenshot of it. <laughs> I totally should. <laughs> or I just photograph my seminar where I'm like, so we're gonna do something today. Is this like a pizza or are you gonna do something educational? Which one? Frozen, well, yeah. <laughs> frozen or, or or going out? Which one? Yeah, is it frozen pizza, pizza hut, dominoes? No, the 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 horror is if I would be making the pizza. If I'm making it, oh, it's absolutely yeah. the worst thing ever. <laughs> All right. So my question for you is what is the best thing you purchase for under a hundred dollars that helps you get through life day flares? Books. Yes. <laughs> Any in particular that I should put on the show notes? Are you ready for this? Because I can show you. This is just my little (laughs) stack of books that's next to my chair. Oh, that's cute. I have like seven bookshelves. So I would say (laughs) uh, start. Let's just start at the top. Napoleon Hill. Top two. Ooh. (laughs) I'm going to make you choose. Sophie's choice here. Choose between your babies. Okay. So (laughs) number one is Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Okay. And don't be fooled by the, like, Grant, yes, it, like, it does have, like, some, it talks about money because money is the easiest thing to measure, but you're able to utilize what you learn in Thinking Grow Rich to absolutely everything in life. And just because you read Thinking Grow Rich, you might as well read uh, Bob Proctor's book, You Were Born Rich. Now, that's still, I'm still talking about one book, Thinking Grow Rich. Uh, and then the other one is uh, Dr. David Schwartz, The Magic of Thinking Big. And now, when, now, kind of like a little uh, note about the Think and Grow Rich is keep in mind that it was written in 1937. And so in 1937, women weren't working. Everybody that was interviewed was, was a man. Ah, women were well, working. Oh, oh, oh well, no, no, no. In terms of... Uh, <laughs> um, in terms, in terms of, of like what it looks the, like today, uh, like no. the high, Yeah, but in terms of what... Yeah, women have been working for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, 
Yeah, so it's a very like a male driven, male male focused book. So it, when you read it, obviously, it's not politically correct in terms of sexism and that. And then uh, the Dr. David Schwartz, The Magic of Thinking Big, that uh, book was written in the late 50s. And it's not really, I can't really, I'm not, It's does that doesn't apply. At least it didn't stand out to me when I read it. But those two books will definitely lift up your spirits, keep you moving forward, because it's all about what goes on in the mind, which creates what goes on outside outside your physical body. Lick, this has been the most controversial and the most fun interview I have done yet. So thank well, you so much. This was a blast. You're very welcome. You want like if you ever want to get more controversial, I'm all about that. I, I you know, someday we're gonna have to debate because I have a feeling we're gonna be on absolute opposite sides of a lot of the healthcare issues. <laughs> so oh, we'll have yeah. to have a discussion. I think I'll, we'll have to have a panel talk about um, medical care in the United States and where it should go. That'll be fun. Oh yeah. Well, right now it's. <laughs> down in the tube so like we can agree I, honestly, on that it's, it's like <laughs> as long as it goes up it doesn't matter which direction as long as like it's not as effed up as it has it been for like forever <laughs> well cheers <laughs> fingers crossed knock on wood and thank yeah. you so much for joining me today Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Monica, for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It means so much to Kiros and I. We are still a baby podcast. We're only six months old. And if you would like to be really, really nice to us, you can share this episode with a friend or someone you wish understood chronic illness or invisible disorders better. And you can also go to iTunes, leave an embarrassingly nice review, and of course, press that subscribe button. Tune in for a new episode next Monday a.m. And until next time, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass.